t-shirts in the shop. Just go to pgttcm.com, check out all of our cool t-shirts and stickers. Heck, we even got some shower curtains in there. Keep clean, look cool, have cool stickers to put on stuff. Join us on Patreon and get a free sticker. Or don't. It's up to you. spine-tingling, nerve-shattering podcast featuring all your favorite monsters. You won't believe your ears when you listen to Monster Kid Radio. Hear your host, Derek M. Cook, and his ever-rotating stable of guests discuss your favorite classics and sometimes not-so-classic monster movies. Subscribe to Monster Kid Radio through iTunes or Stitcher, or visit monsterkidradio.net before the next weekly episode of Monster Kid Radio. Go through the archives for interviews with Sarah Karloff, Victoria Price, and Joel Hodson. Listen to discussions about movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon, Island of Terror, and King Kong. And don't forget convention coverage from Monster Bash and the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival. Classic Monsters, Modern Talk, and the head of Rondo Hatton, only on Monster Kid Radio. This episode is brought to you by California Tea House. California Tea House is a family-owned tea store where you can find some of the world's best loose-leaf tea and organic herbal tea blends. Like a fine wine, there is no comparison between fine loose-leaf and common broken-leaf tea bags. So, yeah, no, check them out. Check them out. They have quite a bit of pretty awesome tea collections. I'm a huge fan of their white teas. Uh, They have a tea club that you can join, but, you know, they've got green tea, black tea, white tea, oolong, that uh, robios and herbal tea. They've also got teaware. So check out California Tea House in the show notes. Hey everyone, it's me, DB. New sponsor on the show, Clary. Clary offers a great price and better quality goods and services for music lovers. Are you looking for good prices, free shipping, 100% quality guarantee? Clary's got you covered. Guitars, bass guitars, mandolins, they've got saxophones, trumpets, drums, they've got guitar cases, amplifiers, all the stuff that you need without having to break the bank. Inexpensive doesn't have to mean cheap. Check out the show notes to find more about Glary. 20 watt amplifiers for under $50. Hard cases for your electric guitar for under 80. Guitars themselves for under $90. Come on folks, check out the show notes. Get a Glary. You're listening to KZOM, Oleander Public Radio. and Farmer Dave, here once again to talk to you about the Cthulhu Mythos, its books, its monsters, its unfortunate human casualties, its timeline in general, and even its tangential bits, like the dreamlands or things of a weird nature that are Lovecraftian leaning. Once more we head into those dark woods, further feeling those malevolent forces upon us. Once again we walk down the lightless stone staircase in the middle of nowhere. You're listening to KZOM. Hey everyone, welcome back to People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. It's one of our reading episodes, and this episode we will be going through... Let's see, it's the... 
Rinkitink. Rinkitink. Oh, you know, our reader does it way better than I do. Rinkitink in Oz. So, yeah, this is, what, the 7th, 8th, 12th book in the Oz series? It's getting in there. We're getting in there, yeah. And I'm going to chop this up into 12 parts. So there's going to be two two chapters each 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 episode. So, hey, we've got that for the month of October. And maybe I'll throw in some ghost stories at the end of the month. Don't hold me to any of that because I'm not 100% sure how October is going to go. And if you are lucky enough at the very beginning of October, H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival. And there is also going to be a second H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival that's going to be less in person and more of a streaming thing. Check us out on there. Dave's got some stuff going on on that. I'm going to have some stuff going on on that. And also, I'd like to welcome our newest sponsor, Taza Chocolate, Stone Ground Chocolate. And you know what? This is super minimally processed. If you're like me and you have a bunch of food allergies, you can't do dairy, they have dairy-free chocolates. They, they, they use dairy alternatives, uh, minimally processed, of course, organic. I love them. You love them. Taza Chocolates, they, they come in those discs that you can break up and put into hot beverages and stir up. Ooh, I love it so much. Anyway, Oz. So why not? I don't know, sit down with a nice warm beverage. We've got the tea that you can get. We've got the coffee you can get. I don't know, maybe microwave some psychedelic water, baby. All right, here's some Oz. Let's get weird. Chapter 3, The Warriors from the North. King Rinkydink was so much pleased with the island of Pingaree that he continued his stay day after day and week after week eating good dinners, talking with King Kittycut, and sleeping. Once in a while he would read from his scroll, For, said he, whenever I return home, my subjects will be anxious to know if I have learned how to be good, and I must not disappoint them. The twenty rowers lived on the small end of the island with the pearl fishers, and seemed not to care whether they ever returned to the kingdom of Rinkitink or not. Bilbil the goat wandered over the grassy slopes or among the trees, and passed his days exactly as he pleased. His master seldom cared to ride him. Bilbil was a rare curiosity to the islanders, but since there was little pleasure in talking with the goat, they kept away from him. This pleased the creature— who seemed well satisfied to be left to his own devices. Once Prince Inga, wishing to be courteous, walked up to the goat and said, "'Good morning, Bilbil.' "'It isn't a good morning,' answered Bilbil grumpily. "'It's cloudy and damp and looks like rain.' "'I hope you are contented in our kingdom,' continued the boy, politely ignoring the other's harsh words. "'I'm not,' said Bilbil. I'm never contented, so it doesn't matter to me whether I'm in your kingdom or in some other kingdom. Go away, will you? Certainly, answered the prince, and after this rebuff, he did not again try to make friends with Bilbil. Now that the king, his father, was so much occupied with his royal guest, Inga was often left to amuse himself for a boy could not be allowed to take part in the conversation of two great monarchs. He devoted himself to his studies, therefore, and day after day 
he climbed into the branches of his favorite tree and sat for hours in his tree-top rest, reading his father's precious manuscripts and thinking upon what he read. You must not think that Inga was a mollycoddle or a prig, because he was so solemn and studious. Being a king's son and heir to a throne, he could not play with the other boys of Pingaree, and he lived so much in the society of the king and queen, and was so surrounded by the pomp and dignity of a court, that he missed all the jolly times that boys usually have. I have no doubt that had he been able to live as other boys do, he would have been much like other boys. As it was, he was subdued by his surroundings, and more grave and thoughtful than one of his years should be. Inga was in his tree one morning when, without warning, a great fog enveloped the island of Pingaree. The boy could scarcely see the tree next to that in which he sat, but the leaves above him prevented the dampness from wetting him, so he curled himself up in his seat and fell fast asleep. All that forenoon the fog continued. King Kittycut, who sat in his palace talking with his merry visitor, ordered the candles lighted, that they might be able to see one another. The good queen, Inga's mother, found it was too dark to work at her embroidery, so she called her maidens together and told them wonderful stories of bygone days in order to pass away the dreary hours. But soon after noon the weather changed. The dense fog rolled away like a heavy cloud, and suddenly the sun shot his bright rays over the island. "'Very good!' exclaimed King Kittycut. "'We shall have a pleasant afternoon, I am sure.' And he blew out the candles. Then he stood a moment motionless, as if turned to stone, for a terrible cry from without the palace reached his ears, a cry so full of fear and horror that the king's heart almost stopped beating. Immediately there was a scurrying of feet as everyone in the palace, filled with dismay, rushed outside to see what had happened. Even fat little Rinkitink sprang from his chair and followed his host and the others through the arch vestibule. After many years the worst fears of King Kittycut were realized. Landing upon the beach, which was but a few steps from the palace itself, were hundreds of boats, every one filled with a throng of fierce warriors. They sprang upon the land with wild shouts of defiance, and rushed to the king's palace, waving aloft their swords and spears and battle-axes. King Kittycut, so completely surprised that he was bewildered, glanced at the approaching hosts with terror and grief. "'They are the men of Regos and Corrigos,' he groaned. "'We are indeed lost.' Then he bethought himself, for the first time, of his wonderful pearls. Turning quickly, he ran back into the palace and hastened to the hall where the treasures were hidden. But the leader of the warriors had seen the king enter the palace and bounded after him, thinking he meant to escape. Just as the king had stooped to press the secret spring in the tiles, the warrior seized him from the rear and threw him backward upon the floor, at the same time shouting to his men to fetch ropes and bind the prisoner. 
They did this very quickly, and King Kitticut soon found himself helplessly bound and in the power of his enemies. In this sad condition he was lifted by the warriors and carried outside when the good king looked upon a sorry sight. The queen and her maidens, the officers and servants of the royal household, and all who had inhabited this end of the island of Pingaree, had been seized by the invaders and bound with ropes. At once they began carrying their victims to the boats, tossing them in as unceremoniously as if they had been bales of merchandise. The king looked around for his son Inga, but failed to find the boy among the prisoners. Nor was the fat king, Rinkitink, to be seen anywhere about. The warriors were swarming over the palace like bees in a hive, seeking anyone who might be hiding, and after the search had been prolonged for some time, the leader asked impatiently, "'Do you find anyone else?' "'No,' his men told him. "'We have captured them all.' "'Then,' commanded the leader, "'remove everything of value from the palace and tear down its walls and towers, so that not one stone remains upon another.' While the warriors were busy with this task, we will return to the boy prince who, when the fog lifted and the sun came out, wakened from his sleep, and began to climb down from his perch in the tree. But the terrifying cries of the people, mingled with the shouts of the rude warriors, caused him to pause and listen eagerly. Then he climbed rapidly up the tree, far above his platform, to the topmost swaying branches. This tree, which Inga called his own, was somewhat taller than the other trees that surrounded it, and when he had reached the top, he pressed aside the leaves and saw a great fleet of boats upon the shore, strange boats, with banners that he had never seen before. Turning to look upon his father's palace, he found it surrounded by a horde of enemies. Then Inga knew the truth. The island had been invaded by the barbaric warriors from the north. He grew so faint from the terror of it all that he might have fallen had he not wound his arms around a limb and clung fast until the dizzy feeling passed away. Then, with his sash, he bound himself to the limb and again ventured to look out through the leaves. The warriors were now engaged in carrying King Kitticut and Queen Garee and all their other captives down to the boats, where they were thrown in and chained one to another. It was a dreadful sight for the prince to witness, but he sat very still, concealed from the sight of anyone below by the bower of leafy branches around him. Inga knew very well that he could do nothing to help his beloved parents, and that if he came down he would only be forced to share their cruel fate. Now a procession of the Northmen passed between the boats and the palace, bearing the rich furniture, splendid draperies and rare ornaments, of which the royal palace had been robbed, together with such food and other plunder as they could lay their hands upon. After this the men of Regos and Corrigos, 
threw ropes around the marble domes and towers, and hundreds of warriors tugged at these ropes until the domes and towers toppled and fell in ruins upon the ground. Then the walls themselves were torn down, till little remained of the beautiful palace, but a vast heap of white marble blocks tumbled and scattered upon the ground. Prince Inga wept bitter tears of grief as he watched the ruin of his home, yet he was powerless to avert the destruction. When the palace had been demolished, some of the warriors entered their boats and rowed along the coast of the island, while the others marched in a great body down the length of the island itself. They were so numerous that they formed a line stretching from shore to shore, and they destroyed every house they came to and took every inhabitant prisoner. The pearl fishers, who lived at the lower end of the island, tried to escape in their boats, but they were soon overtaken and made prisoners like the others. Nor was there any attempt to resist the foe, for the sharp spears and pikes and swords of the invaders terrified the hearts of the defenseless people of Pingaree, whose sole weapons were their oyster rakes. When night fell, the whole island of Pingaree had been conquered by the men of the north, and all its people were slaves of the conquerors. Next morning the men of Regos and Corrigos, being capable of no further mischief, departed from the scene of their triumph, carrying their prisoners with them and taking also every boat to be found upon the island. Many of the boats they had filled with rich plunder, with pearls and silks and velvets, with silver and gold ornaments, and all the treasures that had made Pingaree famed as one of the richest kingdoms in the world. And the hundreds of slaves they had captured would be set to work in the mines of Regos and the grain fields of Corrigos. So complete was the victory of the Northmen that it is no wonder the warriors sang songs of triumph as they hastened back to their homes. Great rewards were awaiting them when they showed the haughty king of Regos and the terrible queen of Corrigos the results of their ocean raid and conquest. End of chapter 3 Hi, I'm Rob Poynton from the Innsmouth Book Club. Join me and my fellow guide, John Chadwick, as we take you on a fortnightly tour of Innsmouth. We visit places such as the Picture House, the Library and Innsmouth Museum to discuss all aspects of weird fiction, whether it be book, film, music, TV or art. As well as that, we stop over at the Gilman House to have a chat with a resident guest. That includes authors, artists, musicians, in fact, Lovecraftian creatives of all types. You can find our free shows on Patreon, and there you can also sign up as a patron, which brings you bonus content, plus a monthly PDF copy of Innsmouth News, which features articles, author spotlights, all the latest news and reviews, and more. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash InnsmouthBC. We hope to see you soon, because remember, Innsmouth isn't just a place, it's a state of mind.
This month's bandwidth is brought to you by Psychedelic Water. Legal psychedelics suspended in green tea and then put inside of a can for you. Psychedelic Water. Who needs a Tillinghast resonator when you've got psychedelic water? Are you a curvy girl? Do you know a curvy girl? You love a curvy girl. Check out the show links for curvy girl. Plus size clothing for plus size women. Oh, Larry. Fine, fine student instruments, beginner's instruments. If you want to modify a guitar, check out Larry. If you want to get into guitars, if you love guitars, Larry. Things from another world. It's a store that has art. It has toys. It has comics, graphic novels. It is the place if you like that kind of stuff. Dave and I have talked about it in the show before. They were ever a sponsor. Dave likes to check out their stuff. I like to check out their stuff. They're pretty cool. Toys, art, graphic design. Not graphic design, graphic novels for you. Thanks from another world. Check out the show notes. Uh, check out the links on, on our website, PGPTCM. We've got specific stuff there to let you know what they've got going on for specials. Anyway, thank you again so much. Did you know that there is a THC derivative that's legal called Delta-8? Not to be confused with the Delta variant, but Delta-8. Yeah, uh, you can get it in chewable form, and it's sold at... Uh, what's what's Golden Goat CBD, one of our sponsors? Yeah, you can get some Delta 8, and you can also pick up some CBD chewables gummies. They've got smokables for the Delta 8, and they've got all kinds of stuff for CBD, and they can help you out. Uh, check the show notes, Golden Goat. And while you're in the show notes, hey, do you know about Donner? Donner has so many amazing musical instruments from all kinds, mandolins, banjos, they've got drums, they've got amplifiers, they've got guitars, they've got all kinds of stuff, and they ship worldwide. Check out Donner. I think you're going to like it, and I think Donner's going to have a good deal for you. So I, I love their electric guitars. A lot of the music that I perform for the show is either on one brand or it's on a Donner. So check out Donner. And check out some savings. All right. Thank you once again for listening to People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. You can help show your support by going to the show notes and following any of the links that'll tell you how to support the show and how to support our guests. And thank you to all of our guests who you can find in the show notes. Rate, review, subscribe. And remember, patrons get priority access to asking us questions, suggesting topics, even, I don't know, uh, submitting stuff. Actually, you don't have to be a patron to submit anything. That's how Dave got on the show, and that's how you can get on the show, too. It's the people's guide to the Cthulhu mythos. Rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends. Chapter 4. The Deserted Island All through that terrible night... Prince Inga remained hidden in his tree. In the morning he watched the great fleet of boats depart for their own country, carrying his parents and his countrymen with them, as well as everything of value the island of Pingaree had contained. Sad indeed were the boy's thoughts when the last of the boats had become a mere speck in the distance, but Inga did not dare leave his perch of safety 
until all of the craft of the invaders had disappeared beyond the horizon. Then he came down, very slowly and carefully, for he was weak with hunger and the long and weary watch, as he had been in the tree for twenty-four hours without food. The sun shone upon the beautifully green isle as brilliantly as if no ruthless invader had passed and laid it in ruins. The birds still chirped among the trees, and the butterflies darted from flower to flower, as happily as when the land was filled with a prosperous and contented people. Inga feared that only he was left of all his nation. Perhaps he might be obliged to pass his life there alone. He would not starve, for the sea would give him oysters and fish, and the trees fruit, yet the life that confronted him was far from enticing. The boy's first act was to walk over to where the palace had stood, and search the ruins until he found some scraps of food that had been overlooked by the enemy. He sat upon a block of marble and ate of this, and tears filled his eyes as he gazed upon the desolation around him. But Inga tried to bear up bravely, and, having satisfied his hunger, he walked over to the well, intending to draw a bucket of drinking water. Fortunately, this well had been overlooked by the invaders, and the bucket was still fastened to the chain that wound around a stout wooden windlass. Inga took hold of the crank, and began letting the bucket down into the well, when suddenly he was startled by a muffled voice crying out, "'Be careful up there!' The sound and the words seemed to indicate that the voice came from the bottom of the well, so Inga looked down. Nothing could be seen on account of the darkness. "'Who are you?' he shouted. "'It's I, Rinky-Tink,' came the answer, and the depths of the well echoed, "'Tink-a-tink-a-tink-a-tink,' in a ghostly manner. "'Are you in the well?' asked the boy, greatly surprised. "'Yes, and nearly drowned. I fell in while running from those terrible warriors.' And I've been standing in this damp hole ever since, with my head just above the water. It's lucky the well was no deeper, for had my head been under water instead of above it, <laughs> under instead of over, you know, why then I shouldn't be talking to you now. <laughs> and the well dismally echoed, ha, ha, which you must imagine was a laugh half merry and half sad. "'I'm awfully sorry,' cried the boy in answer. "'I wonder you have the heart to laugh at all. But how am I to get you out?' "'I've been considering that all night,' said Rinky-Tink. "'And I believe the best plan would be for you to let down the bucket to me, and I'll hold fast to it while you wind up the chain and draw me to the top. I will try to do that, replied Inga, and he let the bucket down very carefully until he heard the king call out, I've got it. Now pull me up slowly, my boy, slowly, so I won't rub against the rough sides. Inga began winding up the chain, but King Rinky-Tink was so fat that he was very heavy and by the time the boy had managed to pull him halfway up the well, his strength was gone. 
He clung to the crank as long as possible, but suddenly it slipped from his grasp, and the next minute he heard Rinky-Tink fall into the water again. "'That's too bad,' called Inga in real distress. "'But you were so heavy I couldn't help it.' "'Dear me!' gasped the king from the darkness below, as he spluttered and coughed to get the water out of his mouth. "'Why didn't you tell me you were going to let go?' "'I hadn't time,' said Inga sorrowfully. "'Well, I'm not suffering from thirst,' declared the king. "'For there's enough water inside me to float all the boats of Regos and Corrigos, "'or at least it feels that way. "'But never mind. "'So long as I'm not actually drowned, what does it matter?' "'What shall we do next?' asked the boy anxiously. "'Call someone to help you,' was the reply. "'There is no one on the island but myself,' said the boy, "'excepting you,' he added as an afterthought. "'I'm not on it, more's the pity, but in it,' replied Rinky-Tink. "'Are the warriors all gone?' "'Yes,' said Inga, "'and they have taken my father and mother and all our people to be their slaves,' he added, trying in vain to repress a sob. "'So, so,' said Rinky-Tink softly, and then he paused a moment as if in thought. Finally he said, there are worse things than slavery, but I never imagined a well could be one of them. Uh, tell me, Inga, could you let down some food to me? I'm nearly starved, and if you could manage to send me down some food, I'd be well fed. <laughs> well fed? <laughs> Do you see the joke, Inga? Do not ask me to enjoy a joke just now, Your Majesty begged Inga in a sad voice. But if you will be patient, I will try to find something for you to eat. He ran back to the ruins of the palace, and began searching for bits of food with which to satisfy the hunger of the king, when, to his surprise, he observed the goat Bilbil wandering among the marble blocks. "'What?' cried Inga. "'Didn't the warriors get you, either?' "'If they had,' calmly replied Bilbil, "'I shouldn't be here.' "'But how did you escape?' asked the boy. "'Easily enough. I kept my mouth shut and stayed away from the rascals,' said the goat. "'I knew that the soldiers would not care for a skinny old beast like me, "'for to the eye of a stranger I seem good for nothing. "'Had they known I could talk?' That my head contained more wisdom than a hundred of their own noodles, I might not have escaped so easily. Perhaps you are right, said the boy. I suppose they got the old man, carelessly remarked Bilbil. What old man? Rinky-Tink. Oh, no! His Majesty is at the bottom of the well, said Inga, and I don't know how to get him out again. "'Then let him stay there,' suggested the goat. "'That would be cruel. "'I'm sure, Bilbil, that you are fond of the good king, your master, "'and do not mean what you say. "'Together let us find some way to save poor King Rinky-Tink. "'He is a very jolly companion, "'and has a heart exceedingly kind and gentle. 
Oh, well, the old boy isn't so bad, taken altogether, admitted Bilbil, speaking in a more friendly tone. But his bad jokes and fat laughter tire me dreadfully at times. Prince Inga now ran back to the well, the goat following more leisurely. "'Here's Bilbil,' shouted the boy to the king. "'The enemy didn't get him, it seems.' "'That's lucky for the enemy,' said Rinkitink. "'But it's lucky for me, too, for perhaps the beast can assist me out of this hole. "'If you can let a rope down the well, I am sure that you and Bilbil pulling together—' will be able to drag me to the earth's surface. "'Be patient, and we will make the attempt,' replied Inga encouragingly, and he ran to search the ruins for a rope. Presently he found one that had been used by the warriors in toppling over the towers, which in their haste they had neglected to remove, and with some difficulty he untied the knots and carried the rope to the mouth of the well. Bilbil had laid down to sleep, and the refrain of a merry song came in muffled tones from the well, proving that Rinkitink was making a patient endeavor to amuse himself. "'I found a rope,' Inga called down to him, and then the boy proceeded to make a loop in one end of the rope for the king to put his arms through, and the other end he placed over the drum of the windlass. He now aroused Bilbil and fastened the rope firmly around the goat's shoulders. "'Are you ready?' asked the boy, leaning over the well. "'I am,' replied the king. "'And I am not,' growled the goat, "'for I have not yet had my nap out. Oh, Rinky will be safe enough in the well until I've slept an hour or two longer.' "'But it's damp in the well.' protested the boy, and King Rinkitink may catch the rheumatism, so that he will have to ride upon your back wherever he goes. Hearing this, Bilbil jumped up at once. "'Let's get him out,' he said earnestly. "'Hold fast!' shouted Inga to the king. Then he seized the rope and helped Bilbil to pull. They soon found the task more difficult than they had supposed. Once or twice the king's weight threatened to drag both the boy and the goat into the well to keep Rinkitink company. But they pulled sturdily, being aware of this danger, and at last the king popped out of the hole and fell sprawling full length upon the ground. For a time he lay panting and breathing hard to get his breath back, while Inga and Bilbil were likewise worn out from their long strain at the rope, so the three rested quietly upon the grass and looked at one another in silence. Finally Bilbil said to the king, "'I am surprised at you. Why were you so foolish as to fall down that well? Don't you know it's a dangerous thing to do? You might have broken your neck in the fall or been drowned in the water.' "'Bilbil!' replied the king solemnly. You're a goat. Do you imagine I fell down the well on purpose? I imagine nothing, reported Bilbil. I only know you were there. There? <laughs> to be sure I was there, 
laughed Rinkitink. And there is a dark hole where there was no light. There is a watery well where the wetness soaked me through and through. <laughs> through and through. How did it happen? inquired Inga. I was running away from the enemy, explained the king, and I was carelessly looking over my shoulder at the same time to see if they were chasing me. So I did not see the well, but stepped into it and found myself tumbling down to the bottom. I struck the water very neatly and began struggling to keep myself from drowning, but presently I found that when I stood upon my feet on the bottom of the well, that my chin was just above the water. So I stood there and yelled for help, but no one heard me. If the warriors had heard you, said Bilbil, they would have pulled you out and carried you away to be a slave. Then you would have been obliged to work for a living, and that would be a new experience. Work? exclaimed Rinkitink. Me? Work? <laughs> How absurd! I'm so stout, not to say chubby, not to say fat, that I can hardly walk, and I wouldn't earn my salt at hard work. So I'm glad the enemy did not find me, Bilbil. How many others escaped? That I do not know, replied the boy, for I have not yet had time to visit the other parts of the island. When you have rested and satisfied your royal hunger, it might be well for us to look around and see what the thieving warriors of Regos and Corrigos have left us. And excellent idea, declared Rinkitink. I am somewhat feeble from my long confinement in the well, but I can ride upon Bilbil's back, and we may as well start at once. Hearing this, Bilbil cast a surly glance at his master, but said nothing, since it was really the goat's business to carry King Rinkitink wherever he wanted to go. They first searched the ruins of the palace, and where the kitchen had once been they found a small quantity of food that had been half hidden by a block of marble. This they carefully placed in a sack to preserve it for future use, the little fat king having first eaten as much as he cared for. This consumed some time, for Rinkitink had been exceedingly hungry, and liked to eat in a leisurely manner. When he had finished the meal, he straddled Bilbil's back and set out to explore the island, Prince Inga walking by his side. They found on every hand ruin and desolation. The houses of the people had been pilfered of all valuables, and then torn down or burned. Not a boat had been left upon the shore, nor was there a single person, man or woman or child, remaining upon the island save themselves. The only inhabitants of Pingaree now consisted of a fat little king, a boy, and a goat. Even Rinkitink, merry-hearted as he was, found it hard to laugh in the face of this mighty disaster. Even the goat, contrary to its usual habit, refrained from saying anything disagreeable. As for the poor boy, whose home was now a wilderness, the tears came often to his eyes as he marked the ruin of his dearly loved island. When at nightfall they reached the lower end of Pingaree and found it swept as bare as the rest, Inga's grief was almost more than he could bear. 
everything had been swept from him, parents, home, and country, in so brief a time that his bewilderment was equal to his sorrow. Since no house remained standing in which they might sleep, the three wanderers crept beneath the overhanging branches of a casa tree and curled themselves up as comfortably as possible. So tired and exhausted were they by the day's anxieties and griefs that their troubles soon faded into the mists of dreamland. Beast and king and boy slumbered peacefully together until wakened by the singing of the birds which greeted the dawn of a new day. End of chapter 4 Show notes. Check them out. That's where you're going to find sponsors and guests and t-shirts and stickers and high fives. All right. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you later. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening to the show. Music is by me, D.B. Spitzer, edited and produced by me, D.B. Spitzer. The interview portions are always edited and produced by David Heath. And, hey, you can find us wherever you find podcasts. So check out pgttcm.com. And if you don't want to check out the Patreon, if you don't want to do that and you want to help out the show, just go to sponsors or buy T-shirts or anything like that. Anything helps. Thank you again.